Yeah, it's not been too long. <laughs> oh man, glad to see you. Um, how, how have you been, man? What's been new with you? Well, just got back from a nice sweet vacation off the grid. Uh, spent two weeks backpacking vacation along the California coast. And had a great time. So, like, how, how do you feel about like going off grid? Is it like much needed to kind of get away from all the technology? Mm -hmm. Yeah, needed. because we live in a very connected world. We're always connected in some form. And uh, in fact, I wrote up a little reflection about it, posted on LinkedIn about my experience on it. And it's actually nice because you get to a point where we're so overwhelmed and bombarded with everything every day, <clears throat> uh, just between emails, instant messaging, uh, all the various social media channels, and just eventually it just overwhelms your brain. And, if, and you get to this point where you just uh, get to the point you say, I just got to get away from it all. And so I have yeah. absolutely no problems pulling the plug and just saying, I'm just going to hit a trail <laughs> or two for a few days and just let your brain relax and you just unwind. You just, you feel much better and you're just able to just enjoy it, enjoy it. And I just stayed away from, you know, anything with internet or email or anything, just went off the grids, said, I'm just going to enjoy myself, just have a good time. And I just came back refreshed, rejuvenated. Feel much happier. Mm. A lot of good positive benefits. Yeah, it's got to feel good, like being somewhere where people can't really reach you. I think that's the one downside about technology. It's like, yeah, you're almost always available. Pretty much. That's why I choose places based on the uh, lack of internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Terrence, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Oh man, not bad, not bad. We got uh, Eric Bird back. Oh. I don't think I've met Eric. Uh, I don't think I'm, we've met Eric. Uh, no, I don't nice think so. No, I've seen you on uh, a couple of shows. <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, pleasure. Let's see. Trying to get uh, Logan here. Right. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, the tech layoffs are real, man. I just got uh, got my pink slip. Uh, was it yesterday? Just kind of out the blue. Like, you know, you not you never really know, man, because uh, uh, the crazy thing is the stock price actually went up like six percent because the company they're they're about to um, merge with uh, VMware and they just recently signed a five billion deal with Apple. So it's still like even if the company's doing good, when you hear merger, merger and acquisition, that usually means layoffs got coming. Always. Yeah, because always there's redundancies with duplicates of different roles and everything. It always happens. Have you ever been laid off, Eric? Oh yeah, <laughs> I've been through my share of those. It's comes with the territory, you know, especially with uh, merger, acquisition, that sort of deal. Yeah. How, how did how did you uh, respond to that? Like, uh, what what do you do when you're just immediately laid off? Yeah, there's always the initial shock, of course, you know. But you know, you've been through it enough times where you're just like, eh, <laughs> you just brush it off eventually. You just want to brush it off. You say, okay, do your mooring, get out of your system, you know, whatever it is, get, get rid of the anger. Okay, then all right, just go out, you know, just go outside, do something good for yourself, you know, go hiking, biking, whatever, and just relax, you know, take some time off, sell your brain down and figure out a plan for moving forward. Exactly. I think if you just kind of realize it's part of the, part of the game, then, you know, you yeah. get over it. I'm not like shocked because my last company, it was uh, the same thing. Like the one prior to this, 
I just beat them before, you know, they laid me off, but they laid off like 80% of the company. You know, it was, it was in the mortgage industry. So mm. right. yeah, how are things going at your company, Terrence? Uh, as far as I'm aware, so far, so good. Um, I just got signed to a new project recently, which is cool. Um, working on a new, uh, well, I don't even know much about, about the project outside of a couple of things here or there. Um, so I can't really speak on it, but it's, it's, it's new tech for me at least. Um, it just kind of sucks that we were, I was like near the end of like launching a product, like seeing it go live and then getting switched over to a new project. It's like, man, we're so close to just at least like seeing this thing through, but the rest of the team is going to carry it, um, which is cool. Um, but yeah, besides that, like, uh, there haven't been any layoffs, knock on wood, you know, please don't have any layoffs um, for my company. Um, and yeah, that's so far so good. How about your company, Eric? Everything been good with your company? Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, but it's like anything else, it can change in a minute. You never know. Exactly. I mean, like even with my first job, you know, I pretty much had this same experience, uh, you know, signed a brand new year long lease. And right after that, you get laid off. So, yeah, I'm, I'm used to this experience in the tech industry. So I'm not like going crazy over anything. It's just just part of the industry. Yeah, comes with it. So how, how do y'all like protect yourselves like knowing that there's potential layoffs like what do you do to kind of give yourself more buffer uh i would say like you gotta have a nest egg like i know it's not, it's not something everybody can have uh like dude every, every, well when i say not everybody can have it's something that it was every situation is different right so I can't just say, oh, yeah, I just save money and then, you know, have a rainy day fund because that may not be the case for everybody. But I'm now starting to see the benefit of, like, stashing things away, like, squirreling things away. And so, you know, those oh shit moments happen in life. Uh, like recently, for example, like my mom lost her house, right? So she had to move in, move in again. And so like, that was, like, uh, super unexpected, right? So um, it's not necessarily like related to like losing a job, but it's definitely like a life-altering situation. And so for me, it turned everything upside down where I had to put out, I had to basically front her uh, funds to to like, help her help her out these past couple weeks. And so I don't think I would have been able to do that if I didn't have that mindset of putting money aside in case of emergencies, you know what I mean? Yeah, pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, Stanley, I appreciate the uh, comments. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be all right. I, I don't want y'all to worry about me. I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, Eric, do you do you have any strategies like to kind of stay afloat in, in this unstable industry? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I've always kept a good nest egg around to save my money. You know, I just I just keep an eye on what's going on in the market and just 
what I tend to do, at least with any company I work for, I always keep an eye on how's it going overall, any potential danger signs, anything with the markets. Yeah, but even then, things just happen that you don't know about that's going on. There's only so much you can control. I mean, there's some things where you can, of course, sort of, of course, you can see it coming. Yeah, you kind of anticipate it, you know, just basically, particularly startups, that's a little easier. But for large companies, a little bit harder because something is just going like that. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I think it's really important to have that nest egg and uh, mm -hmm. never, never assume that what you're making today, you're going to be making more in the future. I think that's the mm -hmm. big one. Yeah. Well, just say it reminds me when during the dot com crash, uh, there was a there was no shortage of companies that were more than happy to take your money <laughs> for various services and such. And people started realizing, gee, do I really need to pay this much for cable or this much for this service or that? And people started realizing. Well, we don't need this. They started cutting things out. So a lot of this comes down to your lifestyles too. And that's where I try to keep my lifestyle as simple as possible. <laughs> that also helps. What was it like working during the dot-com crash? Ooh, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it makes the, the current layoffs look like a day at the beach by comparison. It was pretty bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was in high school then. What about you, Terrence? Was it you in uh, high school or? Middle school. When was that? When was the like was it? Around ninety nine, early two thousands. Early two thousands. Uh, yeah, I was in probably barely into middle school, somewhere between elementary and middle school. Um, yeah, I didn't know anything about I, about web about the web back then. Besides, you, you plug in the modem, and nobody can use the phone line. Right. <laughs> Good old uh, days. And my mom would scream at me, get off the computer. I need to use the phone. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of like what deterred me from tech because I was like, I graduated in 2002. So, you know, I was mm -hmm. on, on that edge of picking what I wanted right. to do for college. And you yeah. hear the tech industry is like awful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, basically imploded. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Mm. When, when did it start coming back around? Um, let's see, I'd say about 2003-ish, 2004, I'd say. I started to turn around a bit. It took a while. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, <clears throat> what, what, what were the salaries like back then compared to now? Um, well, definitely lower, <laughs> for sure. But, of course, that's been how many years ago, too, so... Yeah, that's what was so crazy. Like, uh, I think most of the programming was like C, C++. It was like mm -hmm. really yeah. difficult, but mm -hmm. low paying, like low, uh, relatively low paying compared to well, now. Yeah, compared to now, that first things change over time. <laughs> like, did you ever think about like leaving the industry because it's like, yeah, it's just too crazy? Mm, not really. I've always stayed with it. It just uh, more or less bounce around with different parts of tech. You know, I've worked in a lot of different areas, uh, not just medical devices. I've been medical device last, let's see, since 2006, so it's been a while. <laughs> but um, I've worked in other industries. I've worked in semiconductor, I've worked in uh, a few other areas as well, biotech, largely. So kind of bounced around a little bit and just been in medical devices for quite a while. I've <laughs> been enjoying it. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, Logan? What's up, man? What's up? 
I, like it. Came, I came well equipped with an intern today. Let's go. <laughs> Great. Child labor law doesn't apply. <laughs> but yeah, um, like what, what, out of those uh, sectors you worked in, what was your favorite? Oh, asking me? Oh. Uh, let's see. For all the sectors I've worked in, the biotech was really exciting. That was the first time I actually got to work with hardware. And that was the first time where you actually got to see things actually happening, which was great. <laughs> and, and that's what really got me excited, working with hardware, tinkering more with you know, the sort of devices. And then I just did the medical devices and well, been there since. So it's uh, been a good mix of two. But yeah, Terrence, what about you? What 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 projects have you been working on lately? Uh, a lot of micro front ends, a lot of like micro applications that sort of make this one giant app come together. Um, yeah, it's it's mostly just I don't know. They're called channel applications, which is basically just like if you could think of like a mothership, you have a bunch of like smaller React apps that sort of just get ingested or like installed via NPM into this mothership. And uh, yeah, just basically finding a way to make this app like work together with all these smaller apps. Um, yeah, that's about that's, about, that's essentially what I've been working on for the past, it's June now, eight months, nine months. Uh, let's let's call it ten, just to be even. Like the past ten months, I've been working on that. It's been a lot of fun. Like I, I've I've been working on a lot of like design patterns like, using React and like having to to diagram a lot more than I've ever done like in, since like middle school, I think, or, or high school. Uh, and I've started to like pick up uh, architecture. Like system design and uh yeah it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot more theoretical than actual like programming yeah what about you oh, kevin before you were uh let go what were you working on oh uh, yeah i was working on uh like i had to rewrite this app the already existing application and convert it to a new schema like a new data format and that pretty much means like touching almost every file in the application and uh that's that's not fun man it's just it's easier <laughs> to write a new a complete new application because mm -hmm. yeah it is you know you don't know the unintended consequences of changing this little bit of code and mm -hmm. right uh, it was man uh, it wasn't it wasn't the funnest thing but yeah i was able to to get through it and got rewarded with a layoff. So, <laughs> yeah. but it's all good. What, what about you, Logan? What's been what's been going on with you? Man, I'm building Danktimus Prime, bro. You know me, <laughs> six hundred foot robot in the backyard. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please don't show up at the FAA again. <laughs> um, <laughs> that almost happened to me when they found out I was building a nineteen foot drone. Oh, um, wow. Turns out that. Um, there is, in fact, a size limitation. It's 2.5 feet. Uh, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, so I'm messing with that. Um, 
I've got to start the download process of all these modules and components that I'm working on for a, a massive AI project where I'm building 15 consecutive back-to-back -back AI systems um, for this monstrosity that I call the Pantheon. And it's going to be a fun little toy of mine that I'm going to probably get into way too much trouble with. Um, but it's absolutely worth it. Um, bunch of coding projects, obviously. Retrench is one of them. Uh, the job project that I've been working on the thing that works for a while now uh, to help people with all the layoffs. Um, I've got, I think at this point, over 15,000 employers into that program. That I've got to onboard into the system and then a couple hundred thousand jobs. So um, definitely enough jobs to start waterboarding people with just workday applications. I mean, although I think honestly, I might like hindsight probably just ban those companies for a sadistic ATS system as the reason at the bottom. Because <laughs> um, that is just pure hell, man. I don't know if y'all have ever worked at workday. But like the process of dealing with it's that it's the ATS everyone's moaning about when mm -hmm. you hear them say you have to upload your resume and then type all the shit in. Yeah, that's working. Um, and it's a nightmare. Um, I think I've seen it successfully import my resume properly one time. And I think I was traumatized by that because I couldn't find the errors I was supposed to correct. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm in my I'm in my final loops now. Um, I'm expecting an offer any day now with one of the uh, companies that I've been interviewing with. I think I'm on interview eight with yeah. them. Um, I've already done the hands-on practical. And then I've got a couple others that I'm waiting to hear words back on. But, you know what they say, a bird in the hands, two in the bush, brother. So um, waiting on that. So that and a shitload of open source pet projects. I finally – oh. I finally fixed my infrastructure. It took me a minute. Um, I finally figured out what the issue was. My DHCP server blew itself up. Oh, wow. Turns out that Maz updated. And when it updated, it bricked itself. And when it bricked itself, it bricked itself from the network. And so it couldn't pull an IP address anymore from itself because it bricked its DHCP service. And it was configured to static. And so it couldn't correct itself because it had a static with the dynamic override because it's the DHCP server. Why it did that, I don't know. But what I do know is this. It put itself on the wrong network. And so none of my other servers were getting IPs. <laughs> to make matters worse, it appeared that I had a, a ghost DHCP server running on my network where at some point I got so damn tired of it I built another service. And it just made it all the more fun. Um and so that was that was a fun little two-day fiasco um but i've got that fixed now all the infrastructure's up and running um i did unfortunately overdraw on my power so i've got to upgrade my breakers um speaking so, of that uh 19 foot drone earlier where were you building like a helicopter or something yeah 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 i was building a drone my um it's a it's been a pet project of mine for a couple of years now um it's a mothership drone equivalent um, it's designed to be my flying lab. Um, honestly, I'm just tired of traffic, so I'm building a drone and flying from point A to point B. Hmm. And um, I've built um, hydrogen-based engines and a custom fuel um, that I use that's a diesel hybrid. Um, so it's got the stability of diesel and the combustibility requirements of diesel, but it's got the octane value of gasoline. 
and so it's a monster. Um, but um, it, it's kind of like it's difficult to make. I mean, it took for like one gallon. It took me like a hundred and ninety days. So it's like a long ass time. <laughs> um, so there's that problem, but it's really fucking flammable. So it's wonderful. And then on top of that, you know, you've got your standard hydrogen. So I've got hydrogen as primary and that's my secondary for uh, additional battery bank power reserves. Um, primary secondary process. But um, it, it's a pet project. It's going to take me years to get all the parts. The biggest issue for the longest time was sourcing the titanium plates and the framing. Um, and then I've got to go take the, the welding courses for MIG and TIG welding so that I can get the last of that done. And then I have to go get the tensile strength tested for the plating and for the support frames um, so that I know what my actual cargo capacity is because it doesn't matter what your capacity is, it's what your frame can support. And so I've got to get all those numbers done and crunch and everything. And I've got to sit down, build everything, hopefully not get another house call from the FAA. Um, well, it was more of a phone call, but it's fine. <laughs> um but yeah, it, it's a pet project. Like I said, I work on a lot of crazy shit. Um, and then I've got my farming project that I'm working on, of course, which I've got to, I've got to get transplanted. I made the unfortunate mistake of testing corn and, and it worked. And now I get to transplant like 180 corn. So Stanley from the audience had a question. He says, any advice for an upcoming developer with no degree and two plus years of experience? under that belt any advice will be appreciated projects <laughs> yeah. you, need to be able to, you need to be able to prove your value if you don't have a college degree they're not going to give you credit for the years and you only have two years so you don't really have much under your belt so they need to be able to see value and the best way to see value is to have projects and and portfolio website you got anything to elaborate on uh terrence or eric well that's pretty spot on i am projects projects and um i think like showing that you can work on a team like if you can apply fixes to like open source projects yeah like, there's there's yeah. definitely i forgot what it was called but there's um there's a website out there where you it like finds you projects based on a tag or something like that i think mm -hmm. if you look on git for certain tags for like beginner beginner tasks or something go on there and fix those like Figure out Git, right? Like as a as a beginner, like you know, figure out Git and then figure out how to you know make a pull request and write documentation on your pull request and then be able to receive feedback, and make the changes, and then merge it in. And then essentially, you've done what you're gonna do like in a professional manner, but for free. Uh, but it shows that you know what you're doing and you have that experience. Uh, and I think that'll take you further than uh, any boot camp. And any mm -hmm. like to do application or whatever, yeah, that's that's my advice. Like, I need to find the I need to find the site. Hold on. Hold on. Sounds like a really cool site. Yeah. Um, so well, they should call it Git Gopher. <laughs> Good name. I like it. If it isn't taken, it's about to be. Hang on. Let me find a place to put this baby. Hang on. Let me let me see this. Uh, Git Cash baby. No, no, I'm still here. Uh oh, it's. <laughs> It's it's failing. It did not pass the unit tests. Go home, baby. You're drunk. So y'all yeah, would say, uh, I think 
now more than ever, you're going to have to be more proactive, like you and other developers, y'all should be getting together and creating your own projects and trying to uh, create like a professional workflow. So, you know, have some kind of a CIC pipeline and, you know, somebody work on the back end, somebody work on the front end, and then actually have like a, you know, project management software that, that y'all are using to keep track of the tasks. So, you know, that, that gives you a step above somebody who's just uploading the next to-do list or something, you know, you're showing, Hey, I know, I know a professional workflow. This is the kind of stuff that I'll be doing on the job and we're doing this on our own. You're probably gonna have to get a senior in there somewhere, but I think it's worth a shot. So Eric, I know you're in education, like, uh, well, what, what are you like directing your students on? Like, what should they be learning to kind of stay ahead of the curve? Mm. Well, in terms of staying ahead of the curve, just start reading what, what the current trends are going on in the industry and just be open to, you know, learning new things. I mean, I have to learn things, new things every single day because it's, it's too easy to get into this mode where you think you know everything and no, things are always changing. I've had to learn and unlearn things on how many times over the course of my career because you know, it's just like tech. It always changes. I mean, the tech well, stacks well, change, uh, the languages change. I'm so correct you there. I know everything, absolutely everything. <laughs> just give me a second to go ask my um, <clears throat> advisor. Okay. <laughs> Somebody pull a yeah. chat GPT real quick. There you go. <laughs> That's the new one. Yeah, which has been it. There's been a lot of talk about that in education for sure. Uh, as oh as, my as god that, oh my heavens talk about starting a war Ooh, man it's just uh, like with calculators uh and other math programs that came out and oh, oh my god. i now said the quiet part out loud i said the quiet part out loud and i said it and it started a riot instantly mm -hmm. i said chat gpt and open ai are going to replace teachers and it was a frag in the middle of a gymnasium <laughs> it was beautiful <laughs> oh my god they were like how are they gonna perform and, blah, 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 blah. and i'm just like you do realize this thing can crank out a master's degree in three seconds right <laughs> yeah <laughs> before you can question. blink it's done with his phd is this year's layoffs a sign uh to be on top of your lead code practice what should be a good rate in which you should practice lead code hard absolutely just fucking face through the grinder, 100,000 leak code hard questions every day to the point where your eyes just bleed leak code. And when you get to your interview and the first thing they drop is a systems design question, just curl up and cry in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, man, the biggest thing you need to do with your language is understand it. The reason why leak code questions are asked is because there was a fundamental problem as with all things in the industry, we come up with way overly convoluted solutions to relatively simple problems in the most destructive manners possibly fathomable. Thus was born leak code. And that problem, source problem, was the fact that people didn't actually understand the languages that they were programming in. And so to be able to validate their understanding of the programming language, but being able to do so agnostically, language-wise, Leak code was born, and leak code is a construct of the capacity to test your ability to understand the principalities beneath the development requirements. 
and not just, oh, well, I know how to do X, Y, Z with the language. That's fantastic. But if you don't understand why it works, then mm -hmm. we're not going to get anywhere at the principal and the senior level, at the lead levels. You're fives plus. You're never going to get anywhere because you don't actually understand why it works. And that's going to cause massive performance problems in the future to the tone of, in some cases, two, three, four hundred million dollars in reengineering costs as they have to completely rebuild an entire enterprise grade application, sometimes core applications, uh, plural, because of the fact that they didn't build it to scale beyond a certain user base, unfortunately, by native design, not by their choice, not by intention. It wasn't malicious, but they just didn't understand fundamentally how and why it worked. And that's caused a lot of current uh, tier one um, and FANG level companies a lot of heartburn. And so that's why you see leak code things as really popular. And systems design was the equivalent um, thing of, of leak code. And, and personally, it's the only one that I actually respect or value um, because there's actual practical applications embedded directly inside of that. Whereas in if, if someone walks up to me and they're like, oh, yeah, I implemented the rabbit and tortoise algorithm simultaneously, I'm just going to choke them like where they stand um, because they put a fast algorithm and a slow algorithm in the same loop together. And now my application is crashing every third iteration of, of load because of the fact that the slow algorithm finally caught the, the token. And now my application is just choking like a shitty lawnmower. And so I, I just take them out back and dangle them off the roof for three to five minutes while we have some counseling time. And then I'll take them back inside. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Corporate won't mind. Um, but yeah, yeah. Systems design things are amazing. Um, personally, there's uh, – I want to say there's three great people on LinkedIn to follow, uh, myself included because I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't even – have I ever even shared my social medias? I don't think oh. I have. I hide in the corner like a recluse. <laughs> it's perfect too i love it um i keep getting a randos to add me though so it's like whatever um mm -hmm. but no um there's there's three really great people i'll shoot them over to you um and uh kevin and um yeah you can drop those or something but yeah the sure. dudes are amazing they do a lot of teaching for um systems design uh for fang level companies interviews and interview prep they're one of those people but at the same time what they teach is actually extremely effective um, and so I'm constantly jumping into those conversations, one, because I love systems and I'm in love with systems, and two, the content is phenomenal. Um, so you'll definitely upgrade um, going through that process, but it's going to suck and it's going to hurt. I mean, you're talking about learning how to build things the real way. So you're, you're going you're gonna to be pushed to your limits just understanding how everything interacts with one another. And then that's before you drop down beneath the, the UML models that are just level one. And once you start to understand why they intimately plug in together, you're going to start to see why the systems are capable of the throughputs that they are. Um, but again, that's getting to the deep level of why. Because if your systems don't perform well, it doesn't matter how great your application is. It's going to hit a bottleneck somewhere because of the bad systems design. And that's why they go hand in hand in tandem. And that's why you see one side being taught systems design and one side being taught leak code. Because the leak code side learns how to push things through at high capacity, high throughput, algorithmically based for optimal performance. And then you have the systems design guys pushing hardware to the point where it's literally bursting into flames, which is pretty fucking awesome to see. Um, you, you haven't had a good time until you've seen the top of a server blow off. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can really push those water cooling tanks. 
let's say a little too far. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen Harvard blow up. It's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it, it's fun, um, but um, definitely can be a fire hazard, but a lot of fun. So uh, mm-hmm. I would say check them out both, um, but realistically, you're going to be interviewed for a handful of components. Understand what the interview's really for. You might see like a perfect example is an interview for a fang company that I'm talking to. Um, they just joined the process late in the game, but it's whatever. Um, but um, there was probably 20, 30 line items on that JD. They asked me about three. And so understanding what they're going to ask you about and being really polished in that area, that's the problem you're going to solve for them, and that's what they're hiring for. It doesn't matter what the rest of the job description says. That's just gibberish. Um, it's on the paperwork. Technically, it's part of your job, but realistically – they're slotting you for that problem. And so if you can answer that problem the most effectively as a candidate, you're the one that's getting the offer letter. So just keep that in mind. Well, did anybody want to tackle the Mark Gottwald's question? Besides projects and well-documented pull requests to various repositories, is there anything else to do to stand out? That was a great answer, by the way, Logan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do what I've always wanted to do to Bethesda games and, and mail them a custom-made leather-carved resume with a cake, but that's a little far. Um, but, uh, I mean, that $3,500 to me is personally worth it to get the interview or just to see their face when they open it up and it's my resume. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, tech-wise, though... Um, Honestly, I would say that you might want to not have too many pools because what you don't want to happen is that Kevin, you're definitely going to you you've definitely seen this. I know you too. You have two Terrence, probably you too as well, Eric, but you know those actually guys. You know exactly what I'm talking about where I'm going with this, but those well, actually, if you did it with this function or that library instead of this way, it would have 4.3% seconds faster per iteration per eighth year of the blue moon of Severus. And and it, those are the guys you just want to like, the, like the meeting just stops because everyone has to go on mute and take a break outside real quick and then come back to their keyboard. Um, because like it's such a nuanced thing, but those are the people that I just loathe to ever look at my repos because they spend way too much time asking about the libraries instead of the objective of the project. And Mm -hmm. so those are people that you kind of want to avoid like the plague. And unfortunately they might end up in your interview loop. And if they do, especially if they're the first person, they're the ones that are going to look at your stuff. They feel most confident and comfortable in code repos. So they're going to make a beeline for your code repos because that's what they can speak to the most confidently, and they are going to eviscerate you, unfortunately. <laughs> Unless it's very small sets of code, in which case they're going to love it because it's super easy to review, and then they can only make like one statement because that's the only thing that they can make about it. It's like, oh, well, this function, I would have probably used the, the matplotlib or, or something over pandas because of blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, well, cool. Um, well, well, but you want to do that. And then they'll go on like a 15-minute tangent about why Matplotlib is better than Pandas for some reason. And then by the time they're done on their spiel because they're way too obsessed with libraries, the interview's over, and they had a great time. So um, that's the best way to get around the actualies is just let them run themselves into oblivion. Um, mm-hmm. 
Like give them, find out what projects they're involved with, put that in your code repo and then make like one minor thing, but then like have a lot of great things to say about the project. And then like 10 times out of 10, you'll have a great time. Because <laughs> everyone loves someone who talks about their project in a great way. Yeah. Um, there's that. And then, um, honestly, what I would love to start seeing is actually put your project into production, push it out to the internet. I mean, realistically, man, digital ocean, those droplets are like four bucks a month. I mean, make a little bit of an investment in yourself. They give you like 200 bucks for free for like 90 days. Like if someone needs it, I'll give you a referral code and it gives you like 200 bucks for an account. It gives me 25. So I get a kickback for that. And it pays for one of my load balancers for like a month, but you get a free 200 bucks to build projects with. And it chews through that over time. So it's like, I mean, you're talking what 200 bucks, three droplets, 12 bucks. I don't, I'm not a genius at math, but that's like, that's like 12 months for free. That's a pretty sweet deal. Um, now, obviously, it's not going to be something insane, but it, it definitely works. But being able to showcase your project not just as a code repo, but as something they can actively interact with is going to put you leagues ahead of your competition um, because they'll be able to directly see your project versus just looking at repos for the handful of people that have a project repo to begin with. And so just by having those projects and those repos and those uh, project websites, you're already leaps and bounds above like the other 80, 90% of people who didn't bother to put in the iota of effort. And then you have products uh, that are actively in production. So they're accessible versus they're just lines of code on a piece of paper as far as someone's interpreting it is. And so I can go and read through 400 directories of nested files and folders, or I can just click a URL link. And I'm way more down for that because that saves me a lot of time. And so I'm more likely to look at that one than all the other ones. Because if I've got, we'll say hiring management says, I want this decision made within four weeks, total time frame. All right, cool. Well, that means I have to have all the interviews done in that time frame. And that means scheduling and everything else, multiple rounds. I'm going to assume at a minimum one round per week, three weeks. That means I've got one week to filter through the 10,000 resumes that recruiting sent me. And thankfully they filtered it down from a hundred thousand down to 10. And then out of those, I get to make a decision on those 10,000. So I've got fractions of a second to make some kind of filtering decision based on those. And then I can shoot them over things like, Hey, I want to see this. 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 And then they'll knock that 10,000 down with their ATS down to like a couple hundred. And then I can look at those. Um, and that would give me more time to actually look at the candidate. And then that's when I'm going to see your resume. That's when I'm going to see your projects. That's when I'm going to see your repos. That's when I'm going to be able to go take a quick look at your portfolio website. Does it load well? How does it load? How does it handle data? How does it handle file and, and resource calls? How is it handling API calls? Did you try to do everything server side? Did you do everything client side? Did you get creative and do both? How are you managing all of the data on the back end? What, if any, do I um, difficulties do I see that you've implemented, like big data integrations, messaging integrations, signal integrations, uh, logging, and some kind of data tracking, maybe user tracking and metrics. Like all those things are things that make you stand out versus just your generic, check out my tic-tac-toe project, which literally nobody cares. <laughs> 
that that might actually be negative zero like <laughs> yeah yeah great answer uh, eric eric mm -hmm. do i have anything to add and hey, hey how's it um, going yannick well for adding on the um on a production app probably ui ux design it's like how well did you think out the ui ux components which are grossly underrated underrated mm -hmm. So like the visual part of it and how yeah. the application visual flows. just the overall flow of the application how easy is it is it for somebody to use the app did they put any any work into anybody with disabilities can they use the app mm. you know, whether it's color blindness or something like that so stuff like that so those are some things to consider what about you terrence do you have anything to add on to that yeah the accessibility Accessibility, I, I rarely see that from a letter. I, I don't think I've ever seen that from a boot camp guard to like a focus on accessibility. I think that's if you can find a niche like that, that that'll make you stand out. Like, yeah, like I, I think, yeah, the, the core advice that I give a lot is find a way to stand out. And the best way to do that is look at everybody else and what they're doing and then do the opposite. Like go that extra mile of like, oh, let me get involved in GitHub projects. Let me actually work on a project with a team and and sit down and, and coordinate and architect. Like it's gonna be work. It's 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 not like, oh, go to school for six months and then you know, leave and get a six figure six figure job, because it's not the case. Like you have to have something that makes you stand out. So um mm -hmm. Finding that thing that makes you stand out and make sure it's not a generic, like, I'm a hard worker, you know, I, I go above and beyond. But, uh, yeah, just find that, 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 that thing that makes you special, that, uh, that makes you irreplaceable for that company or that team. Yeah. Because you're going to work closely with the people that, mm -hmm. that, you know, that you're working with for eight, nine, ten months. And even if you get let go, like it's really gonna feel like this is your baby. Like, like imagine like you're working on something for like a long time. Yeah. And uh, and I'm speaking from experience at this point. Like you're gonna be working on something for a long time, and sometimes it might not see the light of day, and sometimes it might get canned. But like at the end of the day, like uh, you want to think of it as if like the interview goes both ways. Uh, and sometimes you have to ask yourself, can you see yourself working with this person or somebody that might be like them mm -hmm. for an extended period of time, whether that's six months, a year, two years, three years. Right. And, um, and yeah, you know, uh, you know, go from there. So, uh, in short, yeah, find something that makes you stand out. Uh, don't fret on the interview and, uh, yeah, social skills and be a people person. I think that those mm -hmm. are my, my top three. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I'll also say, like, actually try to do something that you, you know, like a like a professional quality app, like something you were actually doing your job, uh, architect the app, create the diagrams, like, um, you know, have have a project management software and assign out tasks. Is it is it more work? Yes, but you're showing that you can do any part of the the actual software process by doing that you know work work in a team with other developers and y'all come together and create something that you would actually do on the job and 
if you're able to walk people through that, that's very impressive versus somebody who just kind of created a throwaway application. Like this is a pr production grade application here. We have diagrams. We have, you know, like uh, Eric mentioned, UI, UX, like it's make, make sure every everything's well thought out. And, you know, like the, the plus side is like Terrence mentioned, this project is going to last past this current job. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, say you get let go from this job, you keep on working on that app and other companies are looking at, at what you're doing. They're like, oh, I want to hire that guy. Yeah. Well, one thing that I would add to that is one thing particular not to do is to go and grab a project that is not yours to yeah. put that on your repo mm -hmm. and then be like, yeah, I'm a contributor to this project. Especially don't do that if it's in the same domain as the person that you're interviewing with, because mm -hmm. if they know that person and in, in like in one particular case that comes to mind, um, it becomes an extra fun in, um, I, I guess, would you call it event? I guess event. <laughs> I, I, you could call it a circus, especially if, if, if a certain someone invites that certain someone to the interview since you know you said you were a core contributor to said project so you know what let me just mm -hmm. let me just call him real quick let me just just you know he'll vouch for you right yeah well yeah, all too often i've seen people literally copy and paste someone else's repos of hers oh my god and say, yeah. oh yeah oh here's this girl project i worked on my Wait, where have I seen this before? And it's yeah. identical, a carbon copy of someone else. It's not like we have like tools like, wait and look that up in a fraction of a second or anything. No. It's like a 99% code copy. Be like, yeah, you at least try to make it better? <laughs> yeah, put one pull request. Oh, I imported it. You know, what? It's Come like, did you, did, you, did you mean to do a pull request and like merge that back? <laughs> like, what, what's uh, up? But yeah, to answer your question, Mark, yeah, yeah, you definitely want to go out of your way. Yeah. Um, he, here's my <laughs> logic, and this is my opinion. If I look at your project, and it looks like it took you a week, and this is supposed to represent who you are as a professional, and this is your passion, this, this career is your dream, and you only put a week into it. I mean, I think I've put more than a week into just finding out different flavors of Red Bull. Like, I mean, you're slacking, bro. Like, do I really want you on my team and have to deal with you as a mentee if you won't even put enough effort into your profile to the point to where I can look at it and honestly say, you know what? That probably took more than an actual day of effort. Like, more than eight calendar hours to build and it wouldn't be something that you just copy pasted code from it was actually something you had to put effort into that's what we're talking about that's what we're looking for it's it's something that is like you might have spent two three four weeks maybe you even built it at like a hacker jam or something over three or four days but it's still something that's a little more substantial than just something that you would knock out during like a single session um not that those things don't matter because that's not necessarily what I'm saying, but more so of when I'm looking at your bigger projects, whatever bigger means in terms of like, if I'm looking at your relative code lines and it's like four functions over 400 lines of code versus, you know, 300 functions over 1.4 million lines of code, 
like dramatic difference there in terms of like level of effort. Not to say that the one with four for 400 isn't super awesome and does some really cool stuff with very little code. It's just that the level of effort that was required to generate number two is vastly superior to number one. So I'm going to assume that's the project you care about more. And so that's where my attention is going to go naturally. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case, and that's actually what it is, and that's what you're actually more interested in. But from not knowing you as a person, you know, when I just got a fistful of resumes and I'm seeing this astronomical amount of contributions and lines of code versus, like, two pushes, I mean – it would be a fair assessment to say probably this is the one where the more attention goes to. And so I'm going to look at that first. And then the other ones I'll just take a look at, you know, after I finish consuming whatever I consume from that, assuming I don't just stop at project number one, which ideally is what you want. You want an immediate shock of, oh, wow, there's a lot of stuff here to look at. I don't have time to look at all of this. So let me look at what seems to be what they think is the most important, the top six. So, per se on your GitHub. Not that that's what everyone stops at, but you know, if I'm looking at your GitHub and you've got six bookmarks that you can save to stack what you actually like the most. And I can see those first. I'm probably going to assume that that was probably intentional. And those are the six things you care about the most. And those are the six things that you want to showcase the most and what you're most mm -hmm. proud of. So let me look at those. And then based on those, I'll make my decision of, okay, move forward and delay discard and next person, next person, next person, next person until I built my new pile. And then I go back to my pile and say, okay, cool. Like I said last time is, okay, well, now who went out of the, to their way out of the trouble to actually push that said weather app into production? And I can actually look at it in play versus, you know, I didn't even bother to deploy my own code. Yep. And I would add, uh, make make an application, not like a personal website that looks like it came from WordPress or Wix. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my 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 no code website from Outreach <laughs> or whatever they're called, Out Target. <laughs> Bobby's awesome website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's it going, Yannick? Uh, Glad to have you on as well. Glad to be here. <clears throat> How's it going, everyone? Uh, I kind of joined it late, so I, I, I do have a question. So I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We're talking about like junior devs uh, getting jobs in the market. Okay. So um, let me see how I can make this short. <laughs> Are there a set of projects that you would recommend a junior developer, uh, I guess, work on learning how to build uh, this set of projects, maybe two or three projects that every junior developer should know how to do that kind of like captures everything that you would be looking for as a as a hiring manager um, um, in, in a junior developer. Because I, I heard uh, earlier someone said something, and maybe it was Kevin, about, you know, just pick a prod. Just, just, just think about something. That's what I got from what you guys were saying. Like, think about a project and and build it, right? And you know, I've seen on like YouTube and and, and some of the boot these boot camps nowadays. They're like, 
oh, the five, the only five projects you'll ever need to like land a <laughs> land a software development job. And I kind of I get the idea behind that is that okay, these projects will teach you like these uh, this set of things that will that every every developer needs to know. Um, how do you guys how do you guys feel about that approach? Because I, honestly, not not everyone is like creative. Not everyone can really think up their own projects. I think most people just want to like learn the thing and just learn how to do it well enough. And then that creativity may kick in later once they have uh, a certain level of uh, a competency. And that's you not more questions, like two or three questions in there. But I think Logan, you got me. <laughs> you already know how I feel about boot camps, Kevin. Like, <laughs> bro, like it's gotten to the point where I'll take a look at their five projects and immediately be like, they went to this boot camp because it is always the same five projects yeah. mm -hmm. and more importantly it's always five to ten people out at the same time looking for a job applying to the same places with the same five projects yeah. mm -hmm. right and it's every time month after month year after year and i'm just like 10 15 he paid thirty-five thousand for that he took taken to the cleaners at 55. <laughs> like it's just you feel bad and you laugh at the same time because it's like at what point are they gonna catch on? Um that said, I don't think that boot camps are necessarily a bad thing. I think that they have the potential to be something amazing, mm -hmm. but it requires the passion and the commitment and the levels that most people aren't willing to go to. The sad, simple reality is there is no easy button. Stop looking for it. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. I, If I need to buy a billboard and put it at every major interstate entrance and exit, I will. There is no easy button to this industry. You have to put in the effort. And so I would go so far as to say you only need one project. But it needs to be a substantial project with many disciplines and principles behind it. When I look at a project, I immediately shatter it into a million pieces. I'm going to judge the UX on its own basis. I'm going to judge the UI on its own basis. I'm going to judge the back end. I'm going to judge your database implementation, if any. I'm going to judge your caching utilization, your message queuing. I'm going to look at what big data systems, if any, you integrated with. Does your system have an API? That by itself I'm going to look at. Not even the, if the – I don't care if the API works. I want to see did you take the 10 seconds to install something like DRF or Fast API? Did you make an iota of an effort? I want to take a look at what web server did you go with? Can you answer the basic question of why did you choose Nginx over Apache over HAProxy? Why did you choose traffic with Docker instead of something else? What was your implementation method with standard Docker YAML files with Compose versus Portainer? What made you choose these things? I want to see if you understand why you made that decision and not just, oh, the guy told me to, therefore I did. Do you understand? The other thing that I want to see is did you implement literally anything with security? like at all like <laughs> i'll take anything bro including an auth model like if you just did something like oauth or or something basic like a, a generic localized base user auth model i'll take it 
because you've gone beyond what you'll see with a lot of projects and actually implement an authentication system. And then I will then look at that from its own basis of, hey, did you even have one? Cool. Let's see what you used. Cool. Let's see how you did it. And did you do it well? That's a totally different thing. I'm not going to judge you poorly because, oh, well, you implemented it, but then you used a, a weak hashing algorithm for protecting your passwords and you didn't use any salting. I'm not going to do that to you unless this is like a high-end principal-level engineering role, in which case I'm going to just shred you on the most minuscule of things because you're a principal and you knew better. Like, <laughs> I'm going to hand you back your password. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be digging the database. Another Sorry. thing, look at the database models. That's a huge thing. How did you structure the data? Do you understand how the data interacts with itself and each of the modules individually and then the application monolithically or on a microservices basis? Do you understand how it communicates? Did you leverage an API gateway? What gateway did you choose? Why did you choose that gateway? Are you leveraging any backend communication servers such as Twilio for SMS texting or maybe an OTP, TOTP based communication system for tokens or JWTs for authentication? Um, maybe you implemented something like um, a postfix server for email communications for password resets. Did you implement those things? If you did, cool, let's look at what you did. Did you do that well? Fantastic. These all tell me about the developer. What is your level of understanding? Like I can go and look at something as simple as did you implement signaling? No. Most people don't implement signaling into any of their applications. And the first question I ask you is what happens if I feed it bad data? Hey, oh. Logan, for those that don't understand, what is signaling? So signaling is is a pre and post method of pre-checks on any given implementation of an object in Python, which is my language of choice, um, or in other languages, uh, just an implementation of an action. So the user goes into a web application, for instance, and they are going to, we'll say, add a new blog post. Well, you could have pre and post signals to that. The pre's could be, hey, is this a blog post? Check that. Validate it. Communicate either way. Accept it. Don't accept it. Cool. Is this an image? Does it meet the communication requirements of XYZ character minimums and maximums? Does it have a sentence? Does it have a subject line? Does it have paragraphs? Does it leverage any kind of encoding? Does it have hyperlinks? Are you trying to add files to it? Are files allowed? Is that being interpreted appropriately by the application? Hey, do I need to fire off a process for unit testing? Do I need to save this to the database before or after I validate it? All of those are pre and post signals that you can implement that you can not only generate an action for pre or post checks, you can also implement testing, validation, input validation. You can do data integrity. On top of that, you could take it to a whole new extreme and you could kick off entire security processes asynchronously through side channels. Like say, for instance, I'm going to upload a blog post, but then inside that blog post subject line, I inject a NoSQL injection attack. Well, I can have precursor checks uh, for preloads into my database that says, hey, in the instance that you detect a SQL injection of any kind, 
I want you to go ahead and fire off a signal to the IPS system and the firewall to block that IP automatically. And on top of that, I do not want you to send that to my database. Drop that entire upload, and it'll completely discard it. And you can build all of that logic in, and you can test all that for signaling, and you can fire off all those processes, and you can then take that as part of metrics for reporting. So you could say, hey, well, based on our pre-check signals for security for NoSQL injections, we've had 15 indicators um, for metrics reporting for those in the past one hour. Um, and here are the IPs that have been blocked because of that. And those can be saved as a data model. And so there's a lot of things that you can do with signaling. It gets into more advanced implementations of applications, but that's an instant determination of is this person a junior to a mid-engineer and they're just building exactly what the application is supposed to do? Or is this thing engineered to the nines to where it will tie my shoelaces while making my popcorn while giving me my blog and an RSS feed to my cell phone? Yeah, so that's that's interesting because I, I was going to ask you a question. You said something like you're looking for the level of understanding. So what level of understanding are you looking for when it comes to, I guess, a junior, right? Because you, you, you listed a lot of things, right? And I guess a lot of people who watch this, like the podcast, are, you know, yeah. like they're junior devs. And so we kind of, boot camps are not bad, but at the same yeah. time, you know, we're saying that, you know, if you can teach yourself, you know, that, that might be a good path to go down. When I'm teaching myself, how do I know all of these things that you're you're saying that you you're looking for, right? Like, or, or what what set of things should I should I should I know before applying? First so the first thing you need to know is who made the language. Okay. Who made the language? The person, not the company, not the organization, not the foundation. The person that is the single most passionate or dispassionate person in existence about that language, depending on how it's gone in the past five years. And they are either going to be the best person humanly possible to talk to, or, oh my God, under no circumstances do you even breathe that word in their direction because it is auto-filtered, auto-ban, like level bad. Vast majority, overwhelmingly, they are in love with that project. And if you message them, there is not a question in this world they are not willing to answer because they have talked to literally everyone. No one on this planet knows more about that whatever than that person. Therefore, they are the ultimate authority on that project because they literally made it. If I would ever have wanted to, you know, 10 years ago, wanted to know something about C, I'd reach out to Dennis Ritchie directly. Why? The man literally made the damn thing. Like, I can't find anyone more authoritative. There is no book that's more authoritative than him. And even if there is a book written by him, it's dated versus him is real time. So find out who that person is. The next thing is find out who the organization behind it that's funding it or fueling it, whether it's through volunteers or paid. Find out. Next thing you do, do they have an IRC? Do they have a Discord? Join that group immediately. You are not going to find more people in a, any other place than there. Instant communication, real time, actively involved in that community. That is the largest community you're likely going to find for that project, period, ever, period. The second thing after that is, do they have a conference? 
an annual, biannual, or quarterly conference. Buy the ticket in advance because if you get within 90 days of that conference, them tickets are sold out, period. Like I screwed up. I was going to go speak at PyCon Columbia. I dropped the ball. I didn't get my speaker slot. And by the time I went to get my ticket, GG, no dice. So don't be that guy. Um, once you've done all those things, you have equipped yourself with the network required to answer the questions that you need answered. But what you need to do before you type in the first damn key, go look at the website, go look at the project page, go do the tutorial. Because if you come in and you haven't done the tutorial, it is the first thing we're going to send you to. Literally every time. Now, if it's a basic question like, well, can you tell me about the language and the values and the benefits and blah, blah, blah? We'll typically answer those. We absolutely love those questions. We're more than happy to answer them. We've typically got a bot built for those, and we'll literally do like bang bot command, insert command, and bam, it'll give you that information for you to go read on your own. What we're not going to do is spoon feed you. Um, you have to put in the effort. But if you put in the effort and you're working on the tutorial and something's not working, we're more than happy to answer that question because we're openly confident that tutorial is working. And if you're telling us it's not working, we immediately need to go fix it because you are a precursor to a major problem, which is a million of the exact same question. And we will gladly go fix that problem to avoid that one singular plague because like the stormtroopers, it's coming and it's coming in mass. And so we will stop that out 10 out of 10 times. Normally it's you fat fingered something and you screwed up because that thing has been ran through by like a million, billion, bajillion people. Um, very, very rarely does it break. Uh, that said, it's not perfect. Neither are we. We probably might have broken something. We're not one to be like, oh yeah, we never broke it. We, we break shit all the time. Um, but we will fix it immediately to make your life better and to make ours dramatically better. Um, once you've done the tutorial, then you can start to ask the questions like, hey, I'm interested in doing this. I want to build that. And then people will be very open to helping you figure that out. Like I ask questions all the time. Um, one thing that I actually just asked recently was um, methods. Uh, what can I do? What commands can I use? Or what um, what calls can I make to find out what methods are available as part of a function? And one of the, uh, I, I want to say probably the most senior people I know, uh, he, he actually gave me the answer and then he helped me find that answer, not just for the language that I used, but for other languages in the future by having the universal language, which segues me immediately into my next point which is i regret to inform you if you are self-taught you are thoroughly screwed when it comes to talking to software engineers they all speak the exact same language you speak klingon in an elfish world you poor bastard welcome to hell and so the first thing you need to be able to do is use really vague words like this thingy that does insert four paragraphs to which they will summarize in, here's the link to the blah, blah, blah you just described. Paste. And they'll get a good chuckle out of it. You'll probably get some, you know, little laughy icons under that, but it's okay. 
because they understand almost instantaneously the second you start using non-definitive words that you're not a software engineer. Typically, I just recommend the second you join, just open with that one. That way they understand that you didn't come from a, an SE background, mm -hmm. and they'll talk to you in a different language because, you know, it's speaking Elvish to a Klingon, and it just don't work. Um, that said, some of them don't know how to speak any other language but software engineering. So find someone in the community that was like me that did not start as a software engineer and learn development and then learn the software engineering language, and then we can translate because we've already been through that hellfire at least twice. Um, and, and you'll have a good time. Um, that said, one thing that I will say about software engineering, they leverage the same language, not like programming language, but just universal dialect. And so a function is a function is a function is a function. A pointer is a pointer is a pointer. And the great thing about that is, is once you understand that principle for that language, you will understand it for every language and be able to communicate to that to them and then also be able to go get it yourself, which will be a lot faster than just asking. And so it took me like, what is it, 2020, 2023? It took me nine years to figure out what my college professor was saying when he said that if you can code an A1 assembly, you can code in literally anything. I never understood that until I started hardcore developing, and I realized what he was really talking about had nothing to do with the language itself and everything to do with the principles and the constructs behind what I was attempting to do. A tool is just a tool. The principles behind what you want to do and apply with that tool are what you need to understand. And once you've really defined that, document that, and track that actively, read that every day, and constantly keep building onto that so that it just gets completely drilled in, um, and then start actively answering questions related to those in the chat groups as soon as possible. Because the other thing that people will see is I am far more likely to log back in to answer a question for someone that I know that contributes to the community versus some rando that just popped up in the channel and shot off a question that I've never seen around literally ever. And so you're going to get a much better experience by giving back to the community versus just using it for its knowledge base and then just vamping off into the night. Great response. Uh, Terrence or Eric, did y'all have anything to add to that? Mm, that was a pretty uh, detailed response. The only thing I could probably add is maybe if you have any local user groups in your area, definitely check them log, out. Log, log, log. That's always log. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as like um, I want to that, I would say so there's no magic bullet, right? Like I think what you're looking for is like a specific set of projects to sort of like guide you. And I don't think there really is a magic bullet. Uh, that being said, uh, having uh, having in-depth knowledge on newer frameworks like Spell is really popular right now, right? and I think like when people try or when companies want to switch from, let's say they want to switch from React to Spell because of the one percent performance improvement or something like that, if you have in-depth knowledge in that framework that they're looking for, 
you become a valuable asset or a potential valuable asset to their company. They now look at you uh, less of, I'm a junior developer, right? Because what's a junior developer versus a senior developer? Like the senior developer has just Googled more than the, the junior developer. Uh, and they have more experience, right? This, this, this is what I'm trying to say, but I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to go on a tangent. I'm, I'm trying to say is that if you can show that you provide value out the gate, whether it's knowledge in a specific framework that they, that they're, that they're lacking in, or, uh, you impress them in the interview with, with your personality or something. Uh, I think that'll take you further than looking for a specific set of projects that will, I don't know, get you a hundred, you know, offers in your inbox, you know, in 60 days or something. Does that make sense? Yannick? Yeah? Like... Yeah, totally like, don't. I think, I know you, you're looking for projects to kind of guide you, well, right. those, these questions were just general. Like, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Those those were for like our viewers. But okay. yeah, I, obviously I'm here to learn also. So sure. yeah, I'd just like to add something on it. I would say get out of the attitude of thinking of yourself either as a self-taught or, you know, that kind of developer because you're always going to be learning in this industry. Yeah. And uh, real answers, where are you getting this information from? Yeah. So it's really important to inject yourself in a community where there's masters, there's guys who really know what they're talking about and be open to let them tear you apart because that's how you get better. Yep. Yeah. So you want a guy like Eric yeah. or Logan looking at your stuff saying, hey, this this sucks, like the security it's is bad. Dumpster, just yeah. trash. <laughs> I'll, I'll be more delicate about it, you know, but you know. I'm not, he's the nice cop. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm the, the, the bad cop, I'll be the good cop. Yes. You, do like want you do want feedback, you do want feedback. Like consistent feedback. Yeah, constructive yeah. feedback that at least yeah. helps you. That's generally yeah. how I approach it. Uh, just like maybe I see something that's wrong. Okay, Brad, how you consider doing this way? <laughs> mm -hmm. Give some nice feedback. Yep. So this way everyone learns because it's it's we we fall in this trap because we've been doing this for how many years and for us it's second nature. We just go, oh yeah, come on, you don't know this. Well, we at one point we were a beginner too, and it's easy to forget that. What? And it's like we were at one. I know, I know. Logan's being this way, but anyway. But, but yeah, we were we were learning. We we're stumbling. We we're making mistakes, and then we gradually learned and built it up over the years. And if I can just say, all right, well, here, learn from my mistakes. Here's what you should be doing. I mean, here's why. Yeah. <laughs> sort so of framing one, it that way. <laughs> one thing that I would add to Kevin's uh, comment that's I think is really important to help everyone understand. The world's most preeminent authority on every project and every language ever was always self-taught because that was the person who literally invented it. Exactly. When you want to talk about superior knowledge to kind the of like how, extreme. Uh, kind of like how Kyle Simpson invented JavaScript. What about JavaScript? I'm just playing. <laughs> what about the devil's language? What? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but um, when it comes to the most extreme level of knowledge, that almost exclusively comes from practical application. And you are going to fail a lot. And I like to call it failing forward. Mm -hmm. I honestly, personally believe that success makes you a failure. 
and failure makes you a success because when you're constantly improving and you're constantly growing from a societal perspective, that is success. You don't get that if you hit a home run 10 out of 10 times when you step to the plate. It's like the same saying is if you're the smartest person in the room, you shouldn't be in that room, which is why I'm surprised Kevin's here. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but um, when you look at the problems universally, one, you should not be looking at something that you absolutely know you can do. That is not the project for you. If you already know you can do it, go get something else. Until you've grabbed something that is so big, so outrageous, so intimidating, you're just like, wow, I really don't think I could pull this off. That's where you need to be because failure is almost guaranteed in that project, and that is fantastic. If you can hit a home run every time, you're never going to grow beyond your comfort zone, and that comfort zone will become your cage, and you'll die in that cage. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, I've learned, like, you know, it's easy to get comfortable uh, in software. I, I was getting comfortable with this last job, which is in a way why it's good to have it pulled from me. You know, I was like, I'm just stay here, keep doing what I'm always doing, stay on the front end. Right. Now that's gone. Now, you, you know, I kind of see the limited market for front end. I better learn some other stuff. You know what I mean? It's, Don't you, worry. You can't stay stagnant. I'll baptize you in the back end. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> back end is always fun. <laughs> I think the CIA legally calls it waterboarding, but I mean, thank difference. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, did anybody have any more questions to the audience? Yeah, I don't have anything else. That's, that was it for me. <clears throat> right, did y'all guys have any uh, closing thoughts? I know it's kind of getting late here. Send me those quotes, Logan. Send what? Send me those quotes. Quotes. Yeah. All right. Let me shoot those. I'm checking the comments to make sure we didn't miss nobody. I don't want anybody being left behind. Mm -hmm. And is, 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 is a boot camp worth it in 2023? Yeah. I'm going to find self teaching, but pivoting over to develop a draft for my current job as the most successful sausage as party manager. Is a boot camp worth it in 2023? I don't know what the, has the curriculum changed in the past five years? I don't know what. I I would put it from this perspective. Having spent, I think at the time, two and a half years in the military and having gotten out and having real-world experience and projects, I had an elevated level of understanding and appreciation for the value of the content that was being taught to me in college. I think the value from a boot camp is once you've put in the effort to be able to do the boot camp, to get to the level to where you can competently do the boot camp, I think what it gives you realistically is the value out of being able to ask competent questions that will allow you to improve from your instructors. 
versus just your stereotypical do X, Y, and Z, type X, Y, and Z, copy paste this code, retype that code so that you can regurgitate this code for this function that you probably won't use for the next, you know, 18 months that you'll end up Googling anyways. Um, but you can, you can actually ask like highly effective questions um, tailored to what you're actually working on, not just in your current bootcamp, but on projects that are in your portfolio. And ultimately getting that information, that feedback, that's the value that the instructor provides. It's not these five projects that he's probably or she's done, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 times. Right. It's what do I know from the industry? What can I impart upon you as students? And what value do you need to extract in order to get what you feel is what you paid for? Because that will directly impact my reviews, which directly impacts my bonus. And I want that bonus. <laughs> and so getting that information, very important. But in order to do that, you have to put in again, getting back to the same core point is you've got to put in the legwork. Even if that means watching some YouTube videos on the new Boston or free code camp or um, I mean, Udemy, Pluralsight, they've got tons of content for free, tons of content for like $10. I mean, you just dropped 25000 on a boot camp. Are you really that cheap? I mean, come on now. Like, you, you could spare the extra $140 for the other four or five or six classes on Udemy you're going to pick up. And then take that knowledge with you so that if you have questions, you can ask them when you're there. And not just the standard course and then be the physical body in the chair. And then, you know, eight weeks later, you're done because you're, you're pretty much going to be left where you started minus some basic knowledge that you could have already walked in with. And then, you know, been doing much cooler things on top of the pet project that you're working on now because you could be in class and asking advanced questions. And then at the same time as those advanced questions you could be playing with those new advanced features on top of your pet project. And so by the time you get done with that boot camp, you've got your boot camp projects or whatever, the, you know, not top six. And then like while you were in boot camp, you banged out six really cool projects. Five, if you've got a readme profile of anything, that's worth a damn. Um, and then you've got five that are up there. So you've got your five right there. And the five that you banged out while you were in the, uh, boot camp if you nothing else and then for your pet projects you can easily knock out five within eight weeks i mean even if you only do one every week and a half you're still gonna get five yeah i think like with anything there's different qualities of anything like certain boot camps are good certain are mediocre mm -hmm. certain ones are bad so yeah you gotta have it in your mind what is your objective mm -hmm. and what is the quality of this boot camp like some people just need structured learning environments. They they're not great at just going off and reading a course. So the yeah. boot camp might be good for them if it's a quality boot camp. Yeah. Ask people. Literally ask people, hey, has anybody ever taken this boot camp and what are your thoughts? You'd be amazed how much feedback you get and pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good one to end this one on. Uh, did anybody have any closing thoughts? I guess we're good to go. Thank you, everybody, for tuning hey. in. We'll catch y'all. Oh, you, you had something? Nope. No, I'll oh, okay. say thank you, everybody, for good evening tonight. Yeah. Oh, man, glad, glad you, glad y'all were able to make it. It was a great yeah. show. Absolutely. 
And this episode has been brought to you by Red Bull. <laughs> what flavor? <laughs> what flavor? Juneberry, the 